This episode of On The Beat is brought to you by Ingles. Shop online with Ingles Curbside Pickup. New curbside stores opening every week. Please welcome Mike Griffith. Well, hey everybody, Mike Griffith here. Hope you're having a great uh, Monday night, right? I guess it's Monday night. Uh, man, it's been a whirlwind for, for me. The last, I guess, eight or nine days, Christmas Day, I flew down to Miami uh, and I just got back yesterday, yesterday afternoon. We had a, uh, I guess I was one of many people that had a flight canceled on Christmas day. And it was just one of those crazy travel days. You know, I've traveled for a long time covering teams, obviously over 20 years. Um, one of those lifetime titanium people, right? I, mean, I guess that's good in a way and it's bad in a way. It tells you how many nights away I've spent in a hotel, probably two or three years of my life. I've been in hotels um, part of the deal, but yeah, crazy at Hartsfield, uh, Jackson airport, just trying to find parking, a lot, a lot shut down, people not coming to work, the whole COVID surge, uh, the flight being canceled, having to fly to Miami instead of Fort Lauderdale and, and get an extra long Uber. Uh, and then just, uh, with all the practices being closed. And, you know, one of the things that I did with our Atlanta journal constitution photographer, Curtis Compton, we went to practices anyway. Now, we weren't allowed in, but Curtis had that long angle lens and he was able to take pictures and there was nothing of note strategically. It was more of who's there. And of course, we were able to confirm the whole JT Daniels, George Pickens thing, which at the time we thought was important. But as it turned out, Georgia really didn't need JT Daniels. I think George Pickens only had one target and one catch. And so I, I think he had a catch. I can't even recall now. That, that game is just like a blur. Uh, George's dominance against Michigan, I didn't see it coming. I thought Michigan would be better, you know, and I still think that that was a routine. This is how good Georgia is. And they played a team that they were physically superior to. Uh, Coach Munkin completely outcoached the Michigan defense. You just felt like there were guys open the whole first half. I think Stetson led Georgia to five scoring drives to open the game. It's 27 to three at halftime. And then Kirby's going berserk. His face is all beat red and he's screaming in Stetson's face over clock management, which I really don't understand because Kirby's on the sideline and he can call timeouts. So that whole thing kind of baffled me. I don't think we're ever going to get a clear explanation of why Kirby was so mad at Stetson Bennett. And then the second half, you know, Georgia does what they do. They kind of let the air out of the ball, actually got outscored by Michigan 8-7, to seven, but who cares? The game was over. It was over by halftime. Uh, it was a knockout for the Georgia defense. They asserted themselves. The front seven was able to get enough pressure, and Michigan wasn't able to expose the secondary in ways that Alabama and Bryce Young did. So here we are. It's an exciting time. If you're a Georgia fan, the Bulldogs are in position to win their first national championship since 1980. I want to talk a little bit more about the Michigan game before we let it go. You know, it's 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 kind of sad in the playoff era. Uh, you know, th there's more to it, so you move on. Just think if this was just a normal bowl season, you play Michigan and it's over with, and you got the whole offseason to just bask in that unbelievably dominant win, right? And if, if this were 2017 – they would have played the role of the Rose Bowl. But the 2017 game remains a classic because it was Georgia's first playoff game and 
Uh, a lot of people uh, have a lot of affinity for the Rose Bowl in Pasadena. I've covered it as a Big Ten beat writer when Michigan State played in it, and they played Stanford, and that was the last year before the playoff. Uh, it was a really good Michigan State team. And, and I like Pasadena as much as the next guy. I mean, it's beautiful, and it's just kind of expensive and hard to get to. And, you know, come to think of it, the Orange Bowl was too. Um, you know, I'm not sure that the setting for the Orange Bowl compares. Let's face it, it doesn't. Uh, the stadium inside itself, I thought was beautiful. I don't know how many people were there and and liked the sight lines, the, the, the partially covered roof, all the color in South Florida. Uh, it was about 80 degrees all week. There was a, some wind. So there were, though there was humidity in the air, it was kind of offset by the breeze. I, I think the weather was about as nice of Florida weather as you could get. I know near the end, they were getting close to record highs in the mid 80s. Uh, they're asking, why am I wearing a, a cotton bowl? Cody wants to know. It's just a, it's just a pullover that I threw on. This, in fact, was uh, from one of Michigan State's cotton bowls. You know, every now and then they give the media. I think the rose or the orange bowl gave out a uh, – here, I'll show you the sweatshirt here. The orange bowl gave out a sweatshirt, um, but I just didn't think it was uh, – this is what the uh, orange bowl gave out. I mean, it's nice, but I, I don't know that I'd wear it on a show. I might wear it at a gym or something, or I'll probably pass it on, um, re-gift. You know, a lot of people like those souvenirs and things like that. Uh, that's not something – I mean, I've got a lot of sweatshirts and long sleeve shirts. Um, so I'll pass it. But, you know, it's nice. It's a nice memento. It's a nice uh, media gift, I guess. Everybody gets a little something out of these bowl games. Um, that was the media gift was a sweatshirt. So that was nice and certainly appreciated the hospitality. But, you know, we were down there for the game, down there to work. It's a work trip. I didn't make it to the beach. I didn't make it to South Beach. I didn't make it into Fort Lauderdale. Uh, I did go to a Target to buy a new suitcase uh, because mine broke on the way down. And, uh, yeah, so that that was uh, that was the extent of my uh, highlights was, was going to a a Hollywood, Florida uh, target the night before I left and buying a new suitcase. How about that? Um, but, but Hey, you know, the game was, was fascinating to me. I think it was important. I think it was important that Stetson had played a really good game, you know, 21 to 31, um, 306, what 301, 306 yards passing uh, really nice pass downfield. The James cook 53 yard pass was right on the money. Uh, Burton did a really nice adjustment on the 57-yard pass that had some pressure, lobbed it up there, and Burton made a big-time adjustment on the ball, really duped that uh, DB into looking back, and then uh, Burton turned on the Jets. So those two big plays, those deep plays, uh, we saw Brock Bowers make one of his amazing fingertip catches where he twists and catches a ball high and behind him. Uh, the players really stepped up. I thought Stetson was really accurate on those darts out into the flats early on on the game opening drive. And then you saw Kenny McIntosh with a nice pass into the end zone. Uh, apparently he hadn't thrown a good one all week, according to James Cook, but on that play, Kenny delivered. Uh, it would have been nice to see Georgia run the ball more effectively, not as dominant on the ground as I would have thought or hoped. But uh, again, you know, for Zamir, Zamir's a guy that's going to hit the hole, whether it's there or not, that's where he's running, not going to break it outside, not going to cut back. And I think, in a game like this, I think you need a cutback runner. I think this is an area where I, I think Georgia needs to feed the hot hand. Uh, I know the seniority matters, and I know Del McGee is a big fan of Zamir's, but you know, lately it's been James Cook and Kenny McIntosh 
that have looked the best with the ball in their hands. And I think those guys need to be fed the ball more often. Uh, Cook had a big game. I think he had 132 total yards. I want to say 99 receiving. Uh, the touchdown catch uh, was nice. I mean, James Cook can play receiver It just in, in addition to running back. I mean, he could be a full-time receiver. You think about all the weapons that Georgia has. And I know, yeah, we're, we're you know, you look at uh, Alabama and Jameson Williams and Brian Robinson, but who else are you really talking about? Nobody. Georgia's got a half a dozen guys. So I guess you can see where I'm going with that. But I want to go back and look at my report card uh, from that Michigan game. And, uh, of course, Stetson got an A-. minus. I probably would have given him an A, but, you know, the way Kirby jumped him on that clock management, it was really something else. And then in the second half, there was a pass, just one of these throws across the body, up in the air, and you're just kind of like, that's the moment that you just can't have. You just can't have those moments at this stage you can't be making those throws. There's got to be an alarm or a filter that goes off. I thought the running backs, you know, and A, I thought they played really well. Uh, again, Zamir got most of the work with 12 carries, only two carries for uh, Kenny McIntosh. Uh, Milton had seven carries, 21. I thought uh, Dejon Edwards looked really good on his runs. I really like that guy. I hope Georgia doesn't lose him. I know everybody's excited about an incoming recruit, but uh, I think I'd take Dejon Edwards um, because, man, that, that guy's got some vision, some cutback ability, uh, some hands. I'd like to see him earlier in games and see what he can do. Receivers, I gave him an A-plus. I thought they were fantastic. In addition to those catches we talked about, and, uh, and I grouped the tight ends with them, but in addition to those catches, the blocking on the perimeter uh, was really special. And Kirby talked about that because that blocking on the perimeter is what set up some of the big plays, that physicality. Uh, not just limited to the trenches, physicality all over the field on Georgia for offense. Offensive line in A minus, obviously neutralizing Aiden Hutchinson uh, and David Ajabo. It wasn't just the line; they had some help from the backs and the tight ends and and chips and whatnot. But the, I thought they did a great job. I mean, Jamari Sally had a face mask, but look, it was rough in there. He was going to battle Hutchinson, and and I think Jamari probably made himself a lot of money. Cedric Van Pran, no issues at center. Remember those last minutes, we weren't sure about Van Pran. The, the rumors started maybe he was the lineman that had the COVID protocol. Uh, if that was the case, we didn't see any fall off from Van Pran. Thought he played well. Defensive line, uh, you know, amazing. We saw Jordan Davis do his thing, chasing down Blake Corum. You saw that burst from 99. Uh, Nolan Smith was eight tackles and, and really in the Michigan backfield all day. Nolan has just finished the second half of this season uh, just so incredibly well. I know the, the talk is that he's coming back, but boy, as well as he's finished, that's one to keep an eye on and see if he does decide to come back because there's going to be some temptation for him. Uh, Nicobe Dean, a first round projected pick, Butkus award winner. He looked every bit the part. Great game for Nicobe. He was all over it. Uh, Quay Walker in the open field. Uh, I can't tell you, I think Quay would probably win my most improved defensive player award last year i felt like quay was really hit and miss uh, on his tackling i felt like he was kind of always a step behind but this year i've been really impressed with number seven um i know he's not rated as high as some of these other guys in the draft but i'll tell you what quay walker would be a guy that i would draft that'd be a guy when i go to the senior bowl and i talk to nfl scouts i'm going to tell them to watch quay walker i'm gonna say you know what I think this guy's a lot better, a lot better than people realize. I think he's big-time NFL linebacker. And I'm not saying he's going to be better than Nicobe. 
Um, but I think he'll do just fine by his own right. And I think he's going to step in and be a starter in the NFL. Robert Beal getting a sack early. How about that? Secondary, nice game for the secondary. Gave up some plays late, but a B plus. Uh, Darian Kendrick, the first multi-interception game since Richard LeCount, way back in the opener of 2020 at Arkansas. Um, by the way, do you see those pictures that Richie LeCount uh, had on Instagram and Facebook? Uh, Richard is, is such a, a funny guy. He wore his Georgia uniform. One of them, he's wearing these sunglasses with his hood up and a Georgia with his Georgia uh, jersey on. I really appreciated and enjoyed that. Richard LeCount is a guy that uh, I'm always going to remember fondly uh, covering Richard. I'll, I'll never forget the speech that he gave me uh, at the Cotton Bowl. Or excuse me. Yeah, I guess it was at the Cotton Bowl, right? But no, the Sugar Bowl is the Sugar Bowl. At the Sugar Bowl, when he was explaining how Georgia ain't for everybody and the leadership, and I knew he was coming back when he gave that speech. I said, you know what? He's coming back to be a leader in 2020, and indeed he was having an All-American year before that horrible motorcycle wreck. Good to see Richard recovered from that. Uh, he's had a couple starts with the Cleveland Browns. If you haven't been keeping up, Richie the counts on the field, working his way back to 100. Uh, back to this game, though. Christopher Smith looked pretty good, uh, but then he got ejected. He got ejected for targeting during one of Darian's interceptions, so that was tough. Um, special teams was a little bit of a letdown, uh, to be honest with you. And this is an area that Kirby has constantly harped on in terms of wanting them to be elite. Look, Jake Camarda is elite. Jake Camarda is incredibly elite. Uh, I think Jake's the best punter in the country. I think he's going to get drafted. I'm excited to see him down at the Senior Bowl uh, later this month, or early next month. Uh, Podlesny hits a 43 and a 28-yarder, misses a 45. You know, you want him to make them all. Um, is two out of three not bad? I don't know. I, I think Podlesny's uh, an incredible talent. I think, you know, the only time he misses is when something gets in his mind because I think he's got unbelievable leg talent. Um, so anytime he misses, I'm disappointed. Not much on the returns. The opening kick, Kenny got racked pretty good, only 14 yards, and there was just nothing there. And then Kiaris had a six at an 11 yard uh return. I, I give the coaching a lot of credit. I think the X's and the O's were big, but more important than the coaching, uh, to me was the mindset and the fact that Kirby and his staff and the leadership on within the team was able to have these guys dialed up and dialed in for Michigan. Because uh, you just didn't know what to expect after they got staggered by Alabama. How are they going to respond? Are they all in? And clearly they were. Uh, I gave the, an overall grade of, of A+. Plus. I, I just don't know what more you could have wanted from that game if you're a Georgia fan. You know, maybe you can nitpick and say you want them to finish stronger in the second half. But, look, you know, Kirby's going to play percentage football. He's going to let the air out of the ball a little bit. He's going to run it, take time off the clock and get out of there without any issues. So um, thought it was a good, thought it was a good game. Uh, thought it was a great game for Georgia and now on to Alabama, the rematch and, and how exciting is it? You know, Nick Saban, uh, I'll tell you, it's interesting to watch Saban play chess already. Just, he's just so calm and relaxed and, you know, Alabama just needs to get ready to play a good team. He says, and yeah, they're going to change some things up um, as you do in the NFL when you play a team twice in the season, I think Bill O'Brien uh, gives them an edge. I was really impressed with Bill O'Brien the last time Georgia played Alabama. He schemed Georgia up. Of course, Bryce Young threw for a school record 421 yards. That was not an illusion. Uh, really took apart a great defense. And they're going to try to do that again. 
And I don't know how they're going to do it because they're down to John Mechie now. Um, but O'Brien's a good coach, and it's going to be interesting. Brian Robinson, the running back from Alabama, he's 100% now. Looks mu Looked much better against Cincinnati than he did against the Dogs. Part of that was Cincinnati's front. They played that 3-3-5, three, three, kind of a bend-but-don't-break scheme. You know, they're going to give up some rushing yardage, but the trade-off is really difficult to throw against. You saw that, and they made things hard on Bryce Young. Don't think you'll see that from Georgia. Georgia doesn't have the DBs to do it. Um, they just don't have the DBs to do it. They just don't match up that way. I do think that Kirby's going to simplify because the last time, you know, talking to the players and talking to Kirby Smart, you just kind of get the impression that maybe Georgia tried to do too much defensively. And even today, in fact, one of Kirby's quotes was, uh, let's see if we can find that here. They didn't beat us. We busted, I think he said. Yeah, here he said, he said, uh, at the end of the day, there were three or four guys up there and you have to win some one-on-ones. He's talking about the defensive line. He said, we had some critical third down losses and they didn't beat us. We busted. So in other words, you know, it, it wasn't that, that Alabama was beating their guys one-on-one -on -one in secondary so much as Georgia was breaking assignments. So I thought that was interesting. Um, Kirby got asked today about the uh, Alabama success against him in the past. Uh, I think a Wall Street Journal sports reporter, I, I forget her name, but she asked about uh, the bogeyman, and Kirby said he doesn't know what that is. So he's not buying into this Alabama dominance. I asked him about it. I said, you know, do you embrace that it's you against Nick Saban, or do you downplay that? Um, he said, it's not about me and, you know, not about us. I know he's, he's not going to say it's about us. And he said, that's for up to you guys. Well, of course it's about Kirby smart against Nick Saban. I mean, not directly, but it's the program that Kirby has built against the program that Nick Saban's built. I don't know how you escape that. I mean, it's, it's Kirby against Nick. It, it, it ultimately, now, there's battles within the game, and Kirby pointed that out, you know, that it's about putting the players out there and the players executing, but ultimately it's the responsibility of the coaches to put the right players out there and to put the players out there that can execute and to coach the players up to execute. So at the end of the day, it's very much Kirby smart against Nick Saban, very much. And, and Kirby can embrace that, you know. I mean, look – and I started the question by pointing out that this is going to be Kirby's fifth straight top 10 year. Kirby smart doesn't have anything to be ashamed of. Uh, he doesn't have anything to be ashamed of. He's built a tremendous program. Um, so, you know, I think that, you know, Kirby just needs to embrace that. Yeah, this is what it is. It's you against your mentor and you need to beat him, you know, but, but there's a lot of, a lot of mind games, a lot of, uh, psychological approaches that are designed for players and coaches not to feel the pressure, you know, Stetson Bennett, I just posted a story and I uh, thought it was pretty interesting uh, the way Stetson Bennett approached it because, you know, he was asked, uh, he was asked about uh, the pressure that comes with playing in a game like this. And, and, you know, it's been a long time, since Georgia's won a national championship and, and someone said, you know, do you, you know, do you feel that? Do you, are you aware of that pressure? 
And Stetson basically said he's just treating it as a football game. He said, um, you know, do I know that it means a lot to a lot of people? Yes. Uh, he said, am I trying to play some kind of savior by winning a national championship for millions of people? No. He says, I don't think that's my job. My job is to go out there and throw completions to very talented people we have on this team. And I think it's simple as that. In other words, Stetson's not going to make this any bigger than he needs to make it. And, and that's probably smart, right? There's no reason to think about all the pressure and, and all of the uh, the lifelong um recognition that you're going to get regardless of how you play good or bad Stetson Bennett's always going to be the guy that started that championship game for Georgia in 2022 on January 10th at 8 p.m in Indianapolis he's always going to be that guy so and and I think he knows that in, in his heart of hearts but right now it doesn't behoove him to focus on that or really even acknowledge it. I mean, his mind is just, you know, look, just focus, keep keep the main thing, the main thing, right? Isn't that what Kirby Smart tells him? So I think that's what you're going to see. He said, you know, he said, I'm just treating it as another game. And I'm preparing my butt off and everybody on this team is. But the reason that we're doing that is because we respect the heck out of Alabama and the team that they are. And we know we'll have to give it our best uh, shot to win this game. Obviously, Bennett in particular, uh, under pressure. The quarterback position always is. Uh, I believe the quarterback that plays the best is going to win the game. Simple as that. And isn't that most often the case? I don't think I'm going out on any limb by saying that. I think typically the team that has the better quarterback or the quarterback that plays better typically wins the game. Obviously, Nick Saban has had some success adjusting against Stetson uh, last year in Tuscaloosa. Uh, Georgia had a 24-20 lead at halftime, did not score in the second half this year. Down 24-17, scored one touchdown on six possessions. So they've not had a whole lot of success after Alabama's adjusted. They've been beat there. Munkin's been beat there by Saban and staff, and um, and, and Stetson's been beat in that area. It's 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 a team effort. Uh, you know, Stetson, however, told us today that he didn't think he played that bad. In fact, he said, uh, I thought I played all right in the SEC championship game. He said, uh, I made mistakes that you can't do against a good team, but I also made some really good throws and good decisions. So his focus going into the Michigan game was to clean that up. Um, he said there were no personal doubts going into that game, knew what he had to do, and then he did it. Uh, I thought he played, again, I thought he played well. I didn't think he played perfect. I thought he made some mistakes. There's some people, I do these report card segments. I gave Stetson an A-, minus, and there's people that are on my tail saying, oh, how could you do that? And it's like, well, because he didn't play a perfect game. The second half, they scored one touchdown. I mean, I, what do you want me to say? You know, there was some bad moments in the second half. I, I can't change that. I think an A- minus is a pretty fair grade. Um, you know, I I can't ignore a whole half of football. Um, but he, I thought Stetson played well. Like I said, what was he, 21-31, 306. Uh, Orange Bowl MVP, can never take that away from him. Uh, interesting that Stetson talked tonight about different targeting, different, different receivers. Obviously, Brock, Brock uh, Bowers has been a popular target. 16 targets, 10 catches in the SEC championship game. Brock had uh, seven targets and six catches in the game last Friday night. But Stetson says he just, you know, when the play starts, he throws to who's open. You know, he said that there's there's no real plan to feed certain players. It's not like that. He said there's certain times when it's man-to-man and it's a matter of the matchups that dictates where he goes to the ball. You know, if you think you have the matchup you want, then that's where you go.
Um, and as, as for Saban and Alabama and what they might see this time, Stetson said, you know, we're not going to outsmart ourselves. You know, prepare for what they show on tape. And, yeah, there's going to be some change-ups. But at the end of the day, they're still going to be Alabama. And Georgia's still going to be Georgia. And I think Stetson's right about that. Both feet on the ground. Uh, so Stetson, um, last performance against Alabama, 29-48, 340 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. Last year, 18-40, 269, two touchdowns, three interceptions. So he did show improvement. Uh, year over year and that story I have all of the Georgia quarterback statistics against Alabama uh, during the Nick Saban era obviously uh, let's see one two three four five six currently on a seven game losing streak to Bama uh, the last win was Matt Stafford in 2017 take a look at uh, some of your feedback here we're going to take a quick break here in a second what do we got what what are you folks talking about tonight uh, looks like the defense needs to step up, Jeff Boyle says. Uh, I would agree with that. I, I do think there's only so much you can do about Alabama and Bryce Young. I think it's a team that you look to slow down and turn over. I don't think you stop them. I don't think you're going to hold Alabama to 17 points. Uh, I think maybe you can hold them to 24 would be my guess. Uh, someone asking me if Caleb Williams is seriously considering transferring to UGA. Um, can't imagine, you know, with, with Gunnar Stockton and Brock Vandegrift, JT Daniels, Stetson Bennett. I, I mean, I guess you're always in the game for quarterbacks. Uh, and, and Kirby's not afraid to bring guys in and recruit over the top of guys. But uh, I wouldn't think that that would be an area where Kirby would go from what Kirby's told us. Kirby recruits positions of need. He likes to build around the recruits that he brings in and then recruit the positions of need out of the portal. Um, I'm not really sure what the attrition is going to look like or who's transferring out. I think that probably depends on which quarterbacks are coming back and which quarterbacks are leaving. That will dictate the future at the University of Georgia. 26-minute uh, mark. You know what? Let's take a quick break. Let's give a shout-out to our sponsor, Ingles. Of course, you all know this time of the show. I think most of you know the song. Some of you sing along. All of you have your heartstrings pulled because it reminds us of what we went through together. Uh, a lot of spots for Ingles uh, sponsoring uh, on the, mon the uh, On the Beach show on Monday night, always being there for us, always being there for you, our sponsor, Ingles. It's in our hearts to feel for real There's been ups and downs, turnarounds Good days and some bad But we stand together for worse and for better We'll always have your back With open arms, heart to heart Community strong indeed. Uh, love that song with our sponsor, Ingles. Appreciate that. Uh, really uh, thought Kirby was interesting today. Um, Kirby was uh, freshened up, cleaned up. I think he's recovered from his uh, airport hit the other day. The, the poor guy had just gotten back to the airport in Indianapolis, and he's, he's doing a, a FaceTime on his phone, and he's holding his can, holding his phone up, doing it, looking down at his camera, which I know some of you do FaceTime. No. That's like the worst angle. You know, he's, he's unshaven. His hair is blowing. 
And uh, just doing it off the cuff, man. I mean, you're Kirby Smart. You're a rock star. Your schedule is just smashed with recruits and play calls. And you just finished this game. And and you got to get ready for Bama. And, you, and now you got to do this hit. And, uh, you know, I get it. I get it. And uh, But today, you could tell Kirby was, was back in charge. He was in his home office, it appeared, looking clean, looking fresh, ready to go, uh, plugged in. Mind was right ready to lead this football team. And uh, I really appreciated Kirby's presentation today. Uh, you know, kind of just shrugged off some of the critical questions, really positive uh, about the team. He did answer, I thought, the most key question right now for Georgia Brock Bowers, the health of Brock Bowers, because we saw Brock Bowers come out of the game against uh, Michigan, and you wondered the severity of it. And, and Kirby basically said, you know, he could have gone back in. Well, he, we, we followed up with a question today, we being the Georgia media, the credential Georgia media. Uh, and he said he's good. He said he was good in the game. He said that same shoulder has bothered him all year, to be honest. It's not like it's something new that just came up. It bothers him from time to time at practice. He said it happens to a lot of our players, to be honest with you. Uh, I had it when I played. It's something you have to just deal with. And in the offseason, we'll look at it and see if it needs to be repaired surgically or not. If it's something that he can rebat, re, excuse me, rehab and continue to strengthen the muscles around it. Uh, but he's a football player. It's not going to go away this season. And a lot of our guys are dealing with that, Kirby said. So kind of downplayed the injury to Bowers. I, I think he's the go-to guy. I absolutely think he's the most important offensive skill position player, the most important chess piece on the board outside of Stetson Bennett. Uh, you know, so the, the, the question from the Wall Street Journal reporter, and I forget, like I said, I forget her name, so forgive me, but she said about the dynamic that Alabama occupies, the mental space that it occurs in the heads of either you, your coaching staff, or your players. The Crimson Tide has taken on a bogeyman quality for Georgia, and that they're the benchmark to which often the program is compared to, but also one that seems to always get the best to your team. I mean, it's almost like she wrote out this question. I think she probably did. I should maybe I should write out my questions. They come across uh, maybe a lot clearer, but I, I just kind of throw it out there. I talk and write. I write like I talk. I ask questions like I talk. That's you know. Uh, Kirby says, "Well, first off, what is the bogeyman? What 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 did you reference it as?" She said, "I said Alabama is a bogeyman to Georgia football." Kirby Kirby says, "I don't know exactly what that is, so it's hard for me to answer that question." Other than that, they've also been a problem and a thorn for any team they've played besides ours. We have that in common with a lot of teams. They've played, they have played a really good football team, really good coach, really good program. It starts with really good football players, and they've done a good job recruiting those. And then I think when you look at the skill set of some of the guys they've had come through there, I know myself just looking the last two or three times we've played them, I think somebody said either six or seven first round wideouts that have played. And that's a skill set that's pretty unique, Kirby said. I don't think there's any team in the country that's had however many it's been, uh, you know, the runs that they've had on those receivers. And, of course, it makes you play well in the red area, uh, situational football against Alabama, and, and those are the things. So uh, he said, so as far as the mental capacity, the mental mindset of our guys, they're excited. They've earned another opportunity to go play a really good football team. And now they've got a really good football team. Our guys are physical, excited, and looking forward to the opportunity on the biggest stage. So I thought Kirby handled that well. Uh, I do know that there is something to be said 
um, you know, for the success that Nick Saban's had against Kirby. He's had it against everybody. But I think what makes it different is that it feels like Georgia's had Alabama right where they wanted them. Uh, at least three of these last four games, I feel like 2017, obviously, second and 26, we've all been there. I was standing on the sideline when it happened. Um, I was covering that game. It was amazing. I was actually there to do a story on Jeremy Pruitt uh, as he was going to be Tennessee's coach. Can you believe that was five years ago? Is that right? Or was it four years ago? I guess it was four years ago. Can you believe that was four years ago? I mean, time flies. I mean, Jeremy's been hired and fired at Tennessee in that four years. Pretty amazing. And then 2018, I thought Jake Fromm was was incredible. He, he was incredible. Uh, look at Jake's numbers in that game in 2018. Uh, I don't know that Jake could have played any better, frankly. Uh, Jake that night was uh, 25 of 39 for 301 yards with three touchdowns and no interceptions. Uh, just, just on fire. But the defense when um, – uh, gosh, was it? It was DeAndre uh, DeAndre Walker got injured, the outside linebacker, and Cox went in, and and Hertz made him pay for no containment, and uh, just a disappointing loss, you know, just a disappointing loss all the way around. I, I thought for sure 2018 they had Alabama beat. I know they were the better team that night. I know Bama had a great season, but Georgia was better that night. Georgia was better 2017, and Bama got off the hook. Listen, last year Georgia wasn't going to beat Alabama and Tuscaloosa. It wasn't going to happen. Not with Waddle healthy. Devontae Smith healthy. They had six first-round guys healthy in that game. It, it, it was Alabama's best game by far. And they absolutely blew out a set. And it was Georgia's defense. I mean, Stokes was out there. Tyson Campbell was out there. LeCount was out there. Davis was healthy. Um, that might have been Georgia's best defense in terms of personnel. And they just shredded them. Just shredded them. And a lot of it had to do with the complexity of the scheme Georgia was playing. I feel like if Georgia would have played this scheme last year, they might've beat Alabama. And, and the other thing I thought, and, and, you know, no offense to Stetson, but what I remember thinking about that 2020 game was what if Jake Fromm had come back for another year? Could Jake Fromm have beaten Alabama last year? I, I think he could have, I think Jake would have, would have beaten Alabama. I think Georgia could have won a national championship with Jake Fromm. I can't tell you that Richard LeCount doesn't get hurt or Jordan Davis doesn't get hurt. I mean, there was a lot of other stuff that happened, but, but Jake in his, and what would have been a senior would have, would have been unbelievable. And, and Stetson will tell you how much he's improved since last year in that game. That was a winnable game. Georgia was up 24, 20, but they, they weren't going to hold on. Alabama was clearly better in my mind. Um, you know, and then this last most recent meeting, to me, you know, Georgia's up 10-0 at the end of the first quarter, and then the, the offense just goes flat. I, you know, Alabama adjusts, and Georgia doesn't adjust with them. And so I've heard the arguments, and, and I'm going to hear it again this week. You know, the defense has to play better. No, Stetson Bennett has to play better. Hey, both of them need to play better, all right? The defense needs to play better, and Stetson Bennett needs to be play, needs to play better. You know, I, I said on the Feinbaum show, uh, was it a week ago at this time? Maybe it was two weeks ago. It was two weeks ago on a Monday night. Uh, they had me on after uh, Georgia lost to Alabama. Of course, all the Alabama fans wanted to rub it in the Georgia reporter because I'd predicted a Georgia win. And I'd said that Kirby had Nick Saban right where he wanted him, which he did. Uh, and Georgia just didn't come through. They didn't play well. And uh, and I said that I think uh, I think Georgia, if Georgia makes a quarterback change, they'll win a national championship. That's what I said. So I'm now I'm going to say that Georgia did make a quarterback change. 
they went from an ineffective Stetson Bennett to an effective Stetson Bennett. So maybe that's cheating a little bit. I never said Stetson couldn't win it, um, but I felt like JT would have been um, a good answer. And, and I still think JT is very capable, but I, but Stetson showed me something in the Orange Bowl. Uh, I still think that you need a change from what you had at quarterback last time, whether it's Stetson giving you that change or JT giving you that change. The bottom line is you've got to have good quarterback play. That's the bottom line. Uh, Stetson showed against Michigan that he can do that when he has protection and when receivers are open. Um, we don't know what will happen against Alabama. We don't know what Bama's going to throw at Stetson. Uh, one thing I liked that Stetson did was he ran the ball. He was more aggressive. He had a really big 20-yard scramble there in the second quarter to pick up a first down. I think he needs to do more of that. I think Stetson needs to continue to run the football often because I think that's why he's out there. That dimension is something um, that does make it difficult for defenses, but you've got to be looking for it and you got to be willing to do it. And I think Stetson will. I think he'll put it all on the line. Uh, and, and I think George is going to beat Alabama, by the way. I, I, you know, burying the lead here, what, uh, 37 minutes into the show, I'm telling you, I think George is going to win. You know, I'm just not sure about the score yet. Uh, I'm not ready to lock it in and, and write it down on paper, but my feeling is that Georgia wins this game because of the momentum that they were able to generate in Miami. I don't think Michigan was truly the number team, number two team in the country. Um, honestly, I think Michigan would probably be the number four, five, or six team in the SEC. I, I, they're not better than Georgia. They're not better than Alabama. I don't think they would beat Texas A&M. Uh, three teams right there. I'm not sure they would beat a healthy old Miss with Matt Corral, four. Uh, I'm not sure they would beat Kentucky, five. Um, so maybe, you know, five or six, somewhere around there. Tennessee, coin toss game, Arkansas, coin toss game. I, I, Michigan just really is not nearly as good as they were made out to be. Um, but but Georgia is good. Georgia is very good. They were blowing them out. It was 27 to three. Could have been 54 to 6. Uh, looking at your comments, I see Marie Swati. Uh, Greg McElroy says Alabama is going to win. Uh, Marie, I did. Oh, excuse me. It's Is it Marie or Mario? It's Marie. I'm sorry. Marie. Yeah, I uh, I did uh, Greg McElroy's show this morning on WJOX. Him and Cole Kublik have a show, uh, morning show. And uh, I was their guest at 9 o'clock. I did three shows this morning, right? I, I Every week, every Monday, I do 92.9 out of Atlanta. I love that show with John and Hugh. Uh, that's an 8 a.m. spot every Monday. And then at 8.30 this morning at 8.40, I do the ref, um, you know, with Logan Booker. And uh, and that was a fun show as well. And then at 9 o'clock, I did the Birmingham JOX show. And then at 2.15, I did the Knoxville, Tennessee WNML show. So four shows today. Uh, I'll do Nashville tomorrow and Birmingham. Uh, JOX has a three-man front show I do each each Tuesday at noon, and I'll do a show in Honolulu, Hawaii. How about that? Somebody from Honolulu, Hawaii reached out and asked me if I would go on the airwaves in Honolulu, and uh, and I will. I will. I, I wrote for the Honolulu average. My tie to Georgia, so I've got a, a couple of ties to Georgia, and one of them is Claude Felton. Uh, the year I was the football writer's president, Claude Felton is the sports information director here, and he was selected to go into the Hall of Fame as, as a uh, honorary lifetime uh, achiever by the football writers. And it was my year as president. So I got to go to South Bend and sit at the round table with Claude and his family. And I brought my young children with me. And, and of course, Claude is a wonderful gentleman who's 
one of the best ambassadors that Georgia's ever had. And I got to introduce him at the Hall of Fame banquet. I mean, here's Bruce Smith, Emmett Smith, me, Claude Felton, you know, 1,500 other people in an auditorium in South Bend wearing a tuxedo. So that, that was an intro. And then uh, that year I took vacation. Uh, I'm trying to think. I think Tennessee might have been bad that year in football, so they didn't have a bowl game. So I took vacation time, and Honolulu Advertiser wanted me to write for their tab on Georgia. So I said, sure, I'm, I'm close enough. You know, was I four hours away? And Claude's like, yeah, shoot, yeah, we'll help you out. So I covered Georgia and Matt Stafford when they played Hawaii uh, for the Honolulu Advertiser. Now, they had their Hawaii beat writers here. They did this huge tab. This was like the biggest thing in, like, college football history of Honolulu and, and Hawaii football was when they got to play in the Sugar Bowl. Um, and so I covered them and I covered that game and, and I was a Georgia writer. That's how I used my vacation time was to cover the Bulldogs and largely because of Claude Felton and, and just how nice everybody in Georgia seemed and, and still do, by the way. So I've got a background with Georgia that goes back to 07. Uh, and that incidentally is the last year that Georgia beat um, Alabama. And uh, Stafford was the quarterback. Uh, they've lost seven since. And you can look and see what he did, what Aaron Murray, boy, Aaron Murray, what a, what a mistake Aaron Murray made. That's just, uh, man, that's just just quite a moment for Aaron Murray there. Just what a backbreaking moment. Um, and then you see what Grayson Lambert did. Of course, you all remember that game and uh, what Jake did and now what Stetson's done. So here we go. Uh, Orange Bull on ESPNU. Philip Hudson says, thanks for telling me that. I don't know if I'm getting that channel right now. I'd like to watch a replay. I haven't had a chance to watch a replay because I was uh, I was down there writing in Miami. I wasn't watching TV. So what other questions do we have here tonight? Comments, thoughts about the upcoming Alabama game? Uh, I think it's an interesting matchup. The fact that John Mechie isn't there I think is a huge, huge, huge deal. Uh, makes it much easier for Georgia to match up. Uh, now Jameson Williams still dynamic, um, but going to be very difficult. Um to match up with, and they'll probably bracket him, put two guys on him. I just think Mechie's a big loss. And I think Kirby, when he kind of revealed today that, look, it wasn't that they beat us, we busted, uh, I think that's Kirby's way of saying we can fix this. Kirby seems very, very confident, very confident to me. Uh, Marshall Colbert says, one thing we can't use the three-man front against Bama will be destroyed. You know, I think Georgia's three-men are probably different than Cincinnati's three-man. Um, and, and not that I think Georgia would live on that, Marshall, but I think that's kind of a down and distance situation. Obviously, if it's a, a long down and distance, Georgia will go through man front. Uh, but early on, you like to see Nolan Smith walked up to the line. Uh, technically, it's a 3-4, but the way Nolan plays on the line, it's really four guys on the line of scrimmage. Uh, Jonathan Vance asking me, would I play more man-to-man? -man? Absolutely not. I don't think Georgia can play man. The corners aren't good at that. Um, they need to continue to play some of this match zone that they play and, and be conservative and make Alabama make the big plays. I really don't think Bama is going to make the sort of plays that they did in the first half to get all that momentum. I just don't see it happening. Uh, three passes changed. Uh, Bowers dropped a touchdown. Oh, my goodness. The last thing anybody needs to talk about is Brock Bowers dropping passes. He's been unbelievable. He has bailed out the quarterback's all year long he has an unbelievable catch radius um you know the plastic oh he quit on the right he sat in an open zone instead of running into two guys that were waiting on him i'm amazed at how many people don't give brock bowers the credit he deserves for knowing how to sit in space once the play break down and it turns into a scramble drill last guy you need to be blaming for anything 
is uh, Brock Bowers. Rick Mason, will George Pickens play more? I think he will play more. Uh, I just don't know how much it'll be. He only one had one catch. Uh, he had a guy draped all over him on the short route. I think George is better on those downfield shot plays, but that's just not something that Stett uh, feels comfortable with. He did take a chance. You saw Jermaine Burton, but but Stett just that's not his throw. That's not his thing. He's not an intermediate guy. Stett will 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 pop will pop one out long uh, with with some air under it, or he will hit the the short passes. But he's not going to make a lot of those intermediate throws. Uh, that's that's not his skill. He's not able to throw over guys, uh, and he's not really a timing guy. He just doesn't have the you know, the sizzle on it, you know, arms strong enough, but not a, not a, a super strong arm. So uh, what he does, he does well. And, and the mobility is a factor. And obviously we saw poise in the champ in the uh, Orange Bowl, and especially on those opening drives. And you score on five straight drives to open the game. I mean, it was just Georgia was just so locked in and impressive in that football game. Uh, so, guys, uh, pull over Brini. I, I don't know. I mean, uh, David Gross is asking me that question. I, I think that uh, a lot of that is just assignment and what they do and, and Kirby's comfort zone. Who's going to play assignment football? Um, yeah, uh, I'm just not quite sure uh, what Kirby's going to see in practice in that secondary. You know, that, that's Kirby's area of expertise, and there's a lot of experts back there between Kirby and Muschamp and Adai. Uh, to me, that's that's the most coached up scrutinized position in practices on a day-to-day basis. Um, and, and I think Kirby knows exactly what he wants to do there. Uh, Joel Moody suggests that Saban will try to take Bowers and Cook away. Others need to step up. Uh, well, if you mentioned McIntosh, if he gets a chance, I mean, you know, Kenny only had two carries. I, I mentioned it at the start of the show. I, I think you got to use McIntosh more. I, I Again, I, I know that Dell is a big fan of Zamir White and, and fans love Zamir, but right now Kenny is, is playing better football at running back. He's more dynamic. He's got better vision and burst. Uh, and Zamir is good in those goal line and short yardages, but I just the 12 carries for Zamir and two for Kenny McIntosh. I just I just kind of look at that and go, look, man, you know, coaches, the coaches have got a coach, and and uh your know, coaches are always right at the end of the day, but that's something I look at and say. Boy, I'd like to see Kenny McIntosh with the ball in his hands more based on the fact that that he had the longest run in the two previous games. So he hadn't had many opportunities, but when he has, he's busted some runs. Is Milton fully healthy yet, Williams says? Uh, Kendall is cleared. I, I didn't think he looked like himself in the last game. Um, you know, he had seven carries for 21 yards. Kind of mop-up time. There really wasn't many opportunities for Kendall, not a lot of daylight. It, it takes time. Um, you know, and I think Ken, Kendall's a force. I've said that before. I think that him and Kenny are, are going to be dynamic uh, next season. Uh, Cook's really come on well at the end of the year. It's been nice for him. But uh, I, I don't know about where Kendall's at. I, I just just didn't look. He's not good enough yet, Blake says. I, I would disagree with that. I think he's very good. I just think after about a two-month layoff, it's hard. And, and Barry Anderson asked about Don Blaylock, and I'd say the same thing. You know, when you've been off that long, it takes time to get back into the flow. And, and right now, you know, there's a lot of other good receivers that are they're playing really well. I mean, who you want to take off the field? I mean, McConkey, uh, A.D. Mitchell, these guys are playing really well. Pickens is back out there. Karis Jackson had a really nice grab the other night. And, of course, Bowers. And Bowers was really big. Uh, need to give Edwards a shot, Bill Hodgson said. Listen, I, I love me some Dejon Edwards. Uh, even though it's cleanup time, he's still making yards. 
I think this is a powerful runner. I think this is a guy Georgia needs to hold on to, uh, needs to find a way to keep Dejan Edwards, um, Dejan, um, Kenny, Kendall, to me, that's your, your three-man rotation. Um, I think that's going to be really important. Travis McCullough brings up Cook being a mismatch. Very challenging, uh, very challenging matchup for opponents, and you're right about that, Travis. I'll tell you what else is, is challenging for opponents, and, and that is the three tight end formation because that is really difficult to match up with when you've got three tight ends out there. Do you go big on them? Do you go small on them? Does it matter? Even Nick Saban today singing the praises of Brock Bowers. Brock, one of three finalists for the Freshman of the Year Award. Barry Anderson wants to know, do I think Pickens comes back? Uh, probably not. Um, whether If JT comes back and JT's the guy, there's a chance. But I, I, would, I, I would bet against Pickens coming back right now. I'm not his doctor. I don't know where he's at physically. I, I think Pickens right now probably projects as a second or a third round pick. Um, don't know how he'll test at the combine. Um, don't know how his medical will go. Um, they're asking, you know, Darnell Washington need more targets. Got to get free. Got to get loose. Uh, you know, Darnell's probably a guy that's going to be leaving, I would say. I don't know that for a fact. Um, but that would be my guess. If I were going to guess, you know, three or four guys that were going to leave, he would be one of those guys um, just because I feel like Darnell uh, probably hasn't felt like he's been featured enough. Uh, Wade Wolford says uh, JT will be freed up after January 10th. You know, I think JT wants to come back to Georgia. I'm just not sure where Kirby is with him. Uh, again, I mean, this is a business decision for all these players and people are going to want to know their role. Is JT going to be the starter if he comes back and Stetson doesn't come back? If Stetson does come back, is JT going to get to compete with Stetson? Uh, what does Brock Vandergriff fit into this? Is Carson Beck even in the conversation anymore? Um, I see Hugh Nash asking about Channing Tindell taking an extra COVID year. Uh, that's an interesting concept, but I think I think Channing may have already accepted an invite to the Senior Bowl. Now he may he may you know if he wants to come back, he could. Um, it's not necessarily too late to reverse, I don't think. Um, but I, I think Channing will probably leave, right? What was the crowd split? Uh, Rob D said, I've seen as high as 70-30 in favor of Michigan. I thought it was more like about 65-35 personally. Um, that was kind of my take on that. So, uh, you know, someone talking about rumors of Caleb Williams. Listen, anytime any major player comes out in the portal, they're going to be rumored to Georgia because Kirby's done such a great job recruiting players and putting this program together. And it is a place where quarterbacks have wanted to come. Um, but it's also kind of turned into a, a, a chop house in there because you just never know what's going to happen. Um, you know, the whole Stetson thing wasn't drummed up by me or the fans. You know, Kirby spent the whole offseason talking about JT and bringing him to media day. And, in fact, there were three quarterbacks that got more reps than, you know, Brock Vandergriff threw the ball more than Stetson did in the G-Day game. So – and Stetson had to go to Kirby and ask, you know, he was going to leave the program. Stetson was leaving the program. He went to Kirby and, and had to be promised a chance to compete or he wasn't coming back. And when he went into the season, he was number three. So, you know, it, that's not me doing that. That's not you doing that. So what led to people saying, well, if Stetson was the best guy now, why'd, why'd they go out and get Jamie Newman and JT Daniels in the transfer portal if Stetson was the guy, right? I mean, so – I understand why people are confused about it. Nobody needs to get angry about it. You know, we've talked about that on the show before. I don't think anybody needs to be angry 
uh, about that conversation. It's understandable. It's okay. And it's okay. A lot of people felt like JT played really well. That's okay. And a lot of people believe in Stetson Bennett and that's okay too, especially after the way Stetson played in the orange bowl. I thought that was really big for him. You know, the guy's never all SEC. He's not going to play in the NFL. And he's not even been voted the team captain. But at least he's got the Orange Bowl MVP trophy, and that makes that makes me happy. You know, I would have liked to have seen him win the Brosworth Award um, as uh, the walk-on of the year, but I'm, I would rather him have this Orange Bowl MVP trophy. That's something that no one can ever take away from Stetson Bennett was that he quarterbacked the Georgia Bulldogs to a 34 to 11 win over the Michigan Wolverines in the Orange Bowl. That's quite a national stage and elimination game. Nobody can ever take that away from Stetson. And I'm really happy for the guy um, because he needed to have a moment like that. And the way he's handling this week is the only way he knows how. Um, you know, this is, this is, he's doing it his way, folks. It's the only way he knows how. Stetson's going to give you the best that he's got. And, um, and we're going to all find out if that's good enough come next Monday night. Now, between now and then, uh, I'm going to travel to – I think the whole Dog Nation team is going to be traveling up to Indianapolis. The team arrives on Friday. I'll be there for that. Um, we'll be doing shows, comments. I know you guys are watching Dog Nation Daily uh, every day with Brandon Adams. Tomorrow night, it's Connor and coverage. And then Wednesday night, I think Jeff Centel is going to do a show. Uh, and obviously, there's been a lot going on with recruiting and all these all-star games. So you're going to want to tune in to Jeff and hear what he has to say. Uh, so everyone, I, I want you guys to have a great week. I hope that you're you're off to a great New Year's. I hope 2022 uh, brings us all the riches and joy and health for ourselves, for our family. And my goodness, how great would it be uh, for Georgia football to win that elusive national championship? It's right there in the dog's grasp. I'm going to be predicting a Georgia win. I don't have a score yet. I, I need to get dialed in a little bit more, but I just, I have this vibe and I just have this vibe that somehow, some way these Georgia Bulldogs are going to get it done. Everyone have a wonderful Monday and we'll talk to you later this week.